Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. Today is going to be our first episode for our mini-series, Talking Shop. Uh, but this is actually episode 11. Yes. We're getting through the episodes, which is very exciting. So in this mini-series, we're going to be talking about some of the writing tools that we use um, or are using currently, just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what we're using and hopefully finding some tools that can also be useful for you. Yeah. We should probably just jump right into it. Uh, what have you, what, uh, what have, what, oh my God. <laughs> What writing, <laughs> what writing book um, have you been using recently, Sarah? So my pick for this podcast episode was Dreya's English, and I actually read it a little while ago, but I I really enjoyed it when I read it, and I refer to it when I'm writing if I have questions about grammar because it's it's really at its core a book on grammar. It's a book by Benjamin Dreya. He is the copy chief of Random House. So he has a fair bit of experience in editing and grammar. and <laughs> Sounds like a perfect person to write a book on it. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting just to see inside an editor's head. And he's not, well, I mean, it's not like I know him personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but reading through the book, it's not like he's a really pretentious grammar phobe. Right. Grammar phobe, that's the wrong word. File, gramophile. <laughs> no. Grammar, yes, gramophile. Gramophile. We'll go with that. I don't know if that's quite correct, but we can go with that. Yeah. Um, Is this the one that you often were sending me little pictures of with hilarious um, yes. yep. passages? Yes. Yeah. That one. <laughs> so when you're reading through this book, it's not really dry like some grammar books can be telling you oh this is you know the way that you use commas or you should never do this and never do that always do it this way so he's quite narrative in his style and he has a fair bit of humor in the book so really even if you don't want to read like a book on grammar or it's just a very amusing read in general (laughs) So I do have a few passages from it. Some of my favorite quotes. I I tried to go through and pick out some of them, but it was quite hard because I was leafing through it, trying to find particular ones that I remembered. And yeah, but anyways. (laughs) Dialogue can be said, shouted, sputtered, barked, shrieked, or whispered. It can even be murmured but it can't be smiled or shrugged. (laughs) That's amazing advice. (laughs) And when I read this, I suddenly realized we do this, or we used to do it all the time. And Mm -hmm. lots of my edits in our book has been going through and being changing it from, I don't know. He smiled to, he said with a smile or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or full stop, he smiled (laughs) or more often it'll be like he smiled and then I'll start the sentence because it's nice to have like a lead in 
and then you don't need the dialogue tag after but I think that really improved my dialogue just knowing that I would agree not having characters shrugging shrugging words (laughs) yeah (laughs) or nodding words or whatever shrugging words kind of sounds like it's raining words and you're just like shrugging them off your shoulder (laughs) yeah kind of what I'm envisioning he gave an example in it of someone who decided to go against that advice and leave it as he smiled. And it's probably okay every now and then, but mostly I think it's good advice to to leave it out. I think in our original versions, we also used other ridiculous words, not even just smiled or shrugged. Yeah, which kind of brings me to the next, the next passage. With all the nodding and head shaking going on, I'm surprised that half the characters in modern fiction haven't dislocated something. By the way, characters who nod needn't nod their heads, as there's really not that much else available to nod. And the same goes for the shrugging of unnecessary alluded to shoulders. What else are you going to shrug? Your elbows? (laughs) It's amazing. That's really funny because didn't I pick out at the very start? I was like, why do our characters nod so much? (laughs) And even worse than just nodding is... Occasionally, I would come across passages where they'd nod enthusiastically. Just try nodding enthusiastically. (laughs) Or I can't remember what it was now. There was some very... Uh, I just see this head bobbing up and down really fast. I can't remember (laughs) what it was now. Oh, it was so funny though. We Nodded exuberantly maybe? I don't know. I think it was something like that. Which we promptly deleted. <laughs> once you have, once you have these images of people, I find images of people nodding in general is weird. So I tend not to use them that much anymore because yeah. I don't think I try and imagine if James said something to me, would I like nod back? And the answer is probably not. Well, I don't know. I think people do nod without realizing it that much, but it doesn't because that you don't realize it that much then. It almost comes across unnatural in in yeah. written language because, yeah, most people wouldn't notice people nodding. They would just sort of take it in and be like, oh, this person's listening to me. We're having a conversation. Uh, they're receptive mm-hmm. to what I'm saying. But you wouldn't consciously go, oh, look at them nodding. So if you say it too much and well, if you write it too much, then it just comes off as like, can't you think of something else for the character to do? Especially <laughs> when like she nodded in agreement, yes, or something like that. You're like, well, that was redundant, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> the nodded in agreement. What else? Are you you're gonna nod and be well, I guess you can nod and be in denial, but you know, and generally when people are nodding, they're saying yes to something. So <laughs> but then also, we had like lots of people crossing arms across the chest. How, where else are you going to cross your arms? <laughs> Behind your back? I guess, but usually it goes without saying, unless you define, oh, she crossed your arms in front of her knees, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. we had a lot of crossing arms across the chest. And he points out things like thinking to myself, who else are you thinking to? That's quite a good one. That one, it's because you say things to yourself. Yes, yeah. So I guess people automatically translate that into the thinking part, not realizing that, oh, actually, 
Unless your character Unless it's some sort of weird sci-fi yeah. where people can hear your thoughts. I guess <laughs> it's a bit redundant. So I, I guess that's, as I say, my pick. So it's a very amusing read. I highly suggest it. And it's helpful just to have a copy of that because it'll, it's got a very handy section in it called the confusables, which, you know, goes over words that people often didn't get confused. Uh, and the ones that people often misspell and, you know, it's not an all inclusive grammar book. And he does give some suggestions on uh, good, good books or good websites. Like I think he uses mm-hmm. uh, Miriam, Mer- I can never even say that right. Is it Miriam or Miriam? <laughs> Miriam, I guess. I, say, I, I assume you mean the dictionary, yeah, the dictionary. Miriam Webster. Miriam Webster. Love that dictionary. That's one that I use frequently. That might be something I talk about on the podcast one day. I love, I just love that dictionary. Yeah. It seems weird to have a favorite dictionary. It does, but, but it's very handy and handily available online. So anyways, so yeah, that's my suggest. Dre's English by Benjamin Dreyer. And, oh, I should point this out as well, <laughs> is that he now has, if you're a total geek like me, <laughs> I want to say a board game, but it's, it's more of a card game. Um, that sounds amazing. To improve your grammar and punctuation skills and compete oh against people. Because let's be real, we all want to think that we're the best in, at grammar compared to everyone else. Now you can prove it to your family. You you do know the most. What's it called? Oh, so the game is called Stet Dreyer's English by Benjamin Dreyer. Because, you know, Stet is what writers would put across editors' notes when they want to the editors to leave it alone. And it means let it stand. So I guess the game is kind of about... You have to work out whether there's anything wrong or with the phrase that he gives you on a card. And if there's wrong, you point something out. And then if it's fine, then you say set and the person who's right wins. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. That sounds really enjoyable. (laughs) We haven't played it yet because... um, That's a game I would play. Because obviously with COVID, there's not like, there's just me and my husband here especially in Calgary there's only the two of us we don't have any family in Calgary or anything but one day one day when there's more than two of us to make it more interesting we will play it it's boring with just two because especially because Dan and I are both quite good as well (laughs) or at least I'd like to think so but anyways yeah I understand that I'm very very competitive and can I just say that playing games with your family is super intense? <laughs> I can believe James's that. family is just as bad. They're so competitive. So James and I can't play board games if it's just the two of us <laughs> because I I don't want to lose so badly that I'll either not try as hard just, you know, because then I'll feel a bit better if I lose or I'll try too hard and then it becomes an argument. So we tend not to play. I cried over banana what, what is it called bananagram some it's like scrabble but but not i don't even remember it's like a race scrabble oh <laughs> uh, okay i couldn't yeah. win so i cried i'm a bit ashamed to admit that but let's be real here <laughs> that's how competitive i am 
Yeah, I totally, totally get that. I totally get that. Yes. So I don't usually play two-player games. I, I tend to play the um the cooperative games where you play as a group against the board because then if we lose, we all lose yeah. or we all win. And so I can't get angry and flip the board and walk out. <laughs> yeah. Especially when people cheat. Oh my gosh, I can't handle it when people cheat. <laughs> yeah. And some of James's family believe that if you can cheat and get away with it, it counts. I'm like, but it doesn't count because you've cheated. And so I get so mad. So oh dear. it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, what was your uh, pick for the month? So this month I've been reading a book called Writers on Writing. It's, I actually got it at a secondhand book sale. Um, when would it have been? Probably in March sometime. I got a whole bunch of writing books and they've been sitting on my bookshelf and I decided to start reading this one. It's actually quite good. It's a book with a series of interviews in it and they interview, I think it's 24 authors is what it said on the back, both their international and Australian authors. And they interview them about their methods, how they structure their day, about how they get inspiration, about their editing process and how they got started and a whole bunch of things like that. And I found it really, really interesting. It has a lot of, I'd say, interesting perspectives on things. It seems like every one of the writers in there is quite different. So some are, you know, super structured, (laughs) others. There's this one lady who I was reading says she, I kind of felt kindred spirit with her. She says she writes her books and then as she writes them she makes them fairly I guess perfect in her eyes so the editing for her isn't super extensive Mm -hmm. she's not one of those ones who will then rearrange the entire structure of her book yeah you know move scenes around and stuff like that it's all fairly coherent but so it takes her longer to write like get words down and then the editing process is a bit shorter and I was like oh that's interesting because often you hear people talking about you know we just put words down and then we are, you know, edit multiple times, deleting mm-hmm. scenes, adding scenes, moving chapters. So I was like, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I also picked out a couple excerpts that I quite liked. So the first one goes, I don't quite know what inspiration means. Some days you want to write, some days you don't. The days you don't, sometimes you write better than the days you do. I can't remember who said it. But what's the use of inspiration striking if you're not sitting at your desk when it does? Inspiration comes out of your head. It's a mixture of the impulse to write and just extraordinarily hard work, which at times is boring and sometimes it isn't. It's by an author called Faye Weldon. I really liked that. I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's very, I don't know, frank. I was kind of, it feels very true. Like you always like to, you know, hope you have inspiration to write, but then often either you're not in a place where you can write at work or something, or you just have to sit there and force words to come out. So I quite liked that. Yeah. It sounds very interesting. Is there anything in particular that you've taken from the book and sort of consciously applied in your, in your writing or? A lot. There's a lot of good suggestions about, I guess, how to find time to do your writing or, you know, reinforcing the fact that you writing a book takes time and discipline to finish them. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me feel better that obviously these writers have the same issues. Yeah. They still struggle sometimes to, you know, write, get writing done and have to also struggle to make time to do it. So I felt a little bit better 
a little bit better. It's mostly just been interesting reading different people's perspectives and how they feel about certain things. Yeah, I think it highlights that, you know, writing isn't the same for everyone because yeah, you, yeah, you get all this advice when you're starting out and sometimes it can be confusing to know what's best, but it's something that I, when I, when I was still working as a nurse, I used to tell people when I was teaching them how to uh, scrub for like a procedure or something is that I'm going to give you my tools and over time, you you know, you're going to see tools from in different ways of working from other people and it's totally fine to change it. You know, you take the best practices from different people and then merge it and so that you have a method of your own that works for you, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I guess because there's so many different authors interviewed in this book you there are some that work very similar to you and you're like oh, okay I'm not alone and there's others that work really different and you're like oh that's really interesting like maybe I can use something that they do to help me maybe be a bit better I don't know it's been very interesting yeah um I do have another passage as well which is about mm-hmm. just about editing and editors which I found incredibly amusing <laughs> So it says, uh, sometimes it's 16 pages of you've got really in two sentences here. When you write at the speed I do, they're picking up everything. Occasionally, I had a chap who lost his virginity in two different books, <laughs> and that was really difficult. Sorry. On the whole, I'm just filled with awe at the things people can pick up for me, and I'm endlessly grateful for their hard work. I totally get that. You've heard in our mistakes in the month some of the ridiculous things that we found, and it made me really happy that other professionals have the exact same problem. Yes, and that was something that also came up in Dre's English as well as consistency issues, which are hilarious. So yes, that's my pick for this this episode. Writers on writing. Apparently it's also based on a, they had a TV show on it, so I'm going to try and find that, that they recorded, I don't know. It's fairly old, but I feel like well, it's still relevant. Um, so it's obviously it's a compilation of multiple authors, but is there mm-hmm. a publishing or editor that uh, the book's under? Or um, it says it is edited by James Roberts, Barry Mitchell, and Roger Zubrinich. It's based on the popular ABC television series. It's written it's uh by penguin okay cool publishes yeah no it's re- it's really good i've been enjoying it been enjoying it it's quite a light read and i flick through it's been good that's cool and um, should we move on to what we're reading for fun then yeah sounds good do you want to go first sure uh so i'm reading a mystery thriller novel by an author called peter may it's called cast iron and I really love his books. I've been consuming all of the ones that he has written. <laughs> um, I said in a previous podcast that I really enjoy scene setting. And he's a, I think he's a Scottish author, or at least he's based in, a lot of his books are based in Scotland. And all of the settings that he puts these murder mysteries in uh, come across really amazing. Uh, so some of the previous ones I've read... One was set on like this small, barely 
inhabited island in Canada. It's got this super creepy sort of murder mystery that happens there. It's one of those very spooky kind of islands. And I liked that. A couple of his others are set way out in the Hebrides in Scotland on those really rugged islands, which is quite cool. Uh, This one's set in a small town in France, which I've been... I was supposed to go to France, for, um, but COVID ruined that. Oh, so dear. I've been kind of reading it, being like, that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's about a, a cold case that they're trying to solve, about a body that they found in a lake after there was a massive drought and the lake receded down and they found her. Um, it's, really, it's really good at the moment. So I've been enjoying that. What about you? So I have been reading a bit of young adult sort of fiction just as study for my own book that I've been writing so I've been reading a Karen M McManus book called Cousins which is her fourth book and actually I picked up her books because I was looking for uh, one similar to our teen fiction series which is first person multi-perspective and she uses that in all her books I've read quite a few first-person multi-perspectives now and they're not all <laughs> done brilliantly well. Right. But she certainly does hers very well and you feel like each character has its has their own personality. But so her first novel was One of Us is Lying and that's been a huge hit. And I think she's a very, quite a recent trending author. But yeah, it's, it's very entertaining. I tend to churn through them and in a couple of days which the one that I just read cousins I have just finished that this morning and it took me about three days I think so they're quite easy going yeah (laughs) but yeah they can be hard to get a hold of through the library because they're highly popular at the moment right sound interesting I might have to give one of them a go they're like mystery psychological thrillers for teens yeah so oh cool Yeah. When I started reading them, I realized they're quite similar to what I was trying to write for my book that I'm writing, The Night I Lost My Mind. You still stuck with the title or that title? Well, yeah, I've kind of just left it there for now. I might experiment with it later. But trouble is that I've called it that so long in my head now that it might be quite hard to change. We'll see. (laughs) I get that. Parts of me like it and then other parts of me are like, well, that's a little bit cliche, isn't it? It feels like it's been kind of done before, <laughs> but right. we'll see. We'll see. It's it's the for now working title. Yeah. Yeah. Working titles are good. I think it sounds okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely eye grabby. You know, you'd see that you're like, oh, that looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. I found this really interesting picture on Instagram, actually, that obviously I don't want to like copy anything, but it, it kind of gave me an idea for what the cover might look like if I go ahead and self-publish I haven't really decided that yet either but it was a face with like you know that effect where it's like shattering um oh yes and there was a black hole in the middle of the face and then the edges were kind of collapsing into the into the hole and so you it was just like the outline of a face Mm -hmm. my character kind of he's lost some of his memories so that's where the the kind of link goes in Mm. That's really cool. Um, so I think we, we should start rounding this up. So next time on Dear Writer, it's our main podcast, and we're going to be discussing the pros and cons of using different perspectives 
you know, first person, third person limited and the omni, um, I can't say that, <laughs> omniscient. The god one. <laughs> omniscient. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Omniscient. Wait. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll learn how to say it by the next episode. <laughs> Anyways, the god one. I can write things. I just can't say things. Dan pulls me up on that all the time. He'll be like, <laughs> did you just say, you know, whatever? And I'll be like, yes. And what's even more confusing though, is that sometimes I'll be right. It's just that I'm saying it with British pronunciation and not Canadian or American pronunciation. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll be like, but that's the British way of saying it. And then I'll look it up and then I'll be like, actually, it's not. Whoops. <laughs> You have to be like, it's the New Zealand way of saying it. We pretty much have our own di like dialect. So you used to pull me up on saying particularly because I always say particularly. I think I say particularly too. <laughs> and then I notice that you say it like that too. <laughs> and probably. And then I was like, yeah, it's, it's New Zealand like slang of <laughs> merging all our words together. So mm -hmm. I find it very hard to say particularly. It's just, it's extra effort, isn't it? I know. Why does it have that extra like end part to it? I think Kiwis are just a bit lazy. <laughs> Probably. Well, we merge most of our vowels. Then I was thinking, well, actually, I should probably try and say this correctly because it really annoys me when I hear people say things like X instead of ask. He axed me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not X, but then you know, then I I screw up with particularly, Lily, particularly. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't judge. <laughs> Blame the New Zealand accent. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna apologize right now to all of our listeners. If we say things weird, it's because of our accents. Yeah, and we don't write them weird. We just say them weird. Anyways, so I was supposed to be rounding this up. As we say, we're talking about perspectives and yeah, so join us next time. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it, review it if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe, and you can find us on lindersoncreations.com or lindersoncreations on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, until next week, happy writing, everyone.